Episode 162 of the Bevan James Isles Show, an interview with two leading fitness professionals. Alright, team, welcome along to episode 162 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise, so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, I've got to say, I'm actually sitting in the Coral Lounge in Auckland Airport because our flight's been delayed and we've got a long day at the airport. I've been here for like four hours. Hopefully we leave in about two hours. I'm very excited because I'm about to go home and New Zealand cricket team is in the World Cup final. And it starts at 9.30 at night, so I'm going to basically be staying up all night watching this game. Now, you'll probably know the result if you're into cricket by the time you listen to this, so fingers crossed us Kiwis are over the moon, and my UK listeners maybe won't be so happy, but we'll find out about what's going to happen there. Today's show, I've got two interviews, actually. I've been up in Auckland doing some training with some of Les Mills' top fitness professionals, and I was at the airport with a couple of people, uh, Mandy Jones and M. Grout. And uh, we just, I thought, you know what, I want to have a chat with these girls about their fitness career and some insight and uh, just, you know, what advice they have around fitness. Uh, they're both very successful in their careers, um, both very high up in Les Mills' world and in management roles in gyms, both have personally trained for a long time and helped thousands of people with exercise, and both have a really good insight into their own journey and some of the other things around fitness so basically in the coral lounge <laughs> i got my mic out and i've been interviewing those great girls over the last couple of hours so basically today's show is going to be the interviews of those two and i'm pretty much going to get into it straight away uh, before i do i just want to mention the patrons and some of the patrons who are patrons of the show is Sue, where is it, Sue, The Only Way Is Up Chisel, we've got Denise, Dana, Ab Fab, we've got Nathan, The Hurricane, we've got Marie, Jane, Mariko, and she's The Magic, and we've got Katrina, The Architect, these people are all patrons of the show, and what that means is, each time I release a show, they give some of their hard-earned money to supporting me and what I'm doing. If you want to become a patron of the show, just go to bevanjamesisles.com, go to where it has podcasts, and then you'll see a link to Patreon. Go through that process, and then you'll be helping me as well and I also give you a cool Bevan James I'll show nickname. Anyway that's pretty much the first part of the show done and dusted. Let's get into the interviews with both M and Mandy. Right team I have a lovely lady next to me by the name of Ving. Now I, 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 no, it's French isn't it? Yes. And, and so how do you say your last name? Grault. Grault. Is it, is it Grault? Oh, if you said it in French, it would be gros. Gros. Yeah. Yeah. Gros. Just, I was yeah. sounding French. Uh, em, em has uh, been in the fitness industry. When did you suddenly, I actually think I took you for your first ever training, and that would be showing my age. How long ago was that? Oh, I think maybe 12 years ago. <coughs> no, it must be more, because that's been how long I've been at Les Mills, so... 13, 14 years ago? Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, god, you're that curly hair and you're <laughs> nice and young. Hey, so, um, just tell us a little bit about your journey into fitness uh, and how you started into it. Um, I actually, as a kid, I was never really into fitness. I didn't really play any sports or anything. I was really introverted, like socially, probably you could say a little bit awkward. Didn't, like, struggle to make friends. Was just never... Probably shied away from team sports because I felt awkward and uncomfortable around people. Like, I just always had, like, a really low 
I guess, self-esteem and just didn't really feel that great about myself. Um, and I didn't get into the fitness industry until I was about 17. So I joined a gym when I was studying just for something to do kind of thing and I got into group fitness and I was like wow this this is really cool like you've got quite big power over people and like I really enjoyed it but I just thought like wow the thought of being a group fitness instructor like just overwhelmed me with anxiety like I'm like I could never do that role um, and then that's kind of like all it was until someone approached me saying so they were like the owner of the small gym that I went to and they were like oh you'd be really good at group fitness and I sort of thought like shit like what makes you think that and I guess like the way that I moved and so it was super uncomfortable and I decided to do it because I knew that making myself uncomfortable would help me grow and I knew like I just knew that it would help me and that if I didn't do anything challenging right now I would never change so I gave it a go and I was horrendous at the start like really bad no eye contact for the whole class shaking my boots like the whole time but I guess slowly over time with other people's support I learnt to become more confident and I guess from people's feedback enjoying my classes there must have been something that they did really well and I must have had some sort of impact that I didn't realise they had otherwise they wouldn't say those things and so at that time I was studying for uh, what was I doing like business and hotel management and stuff like that hospitality which I never really enjoyed but I just was like, oh, that's quite general, so I'll just do that. Um, and then uh, at the gym that I was working at, so I started teaching group fitness, which I was a bit average at, but I still kind of enjoyed it and saw that it made me a better person and more confident. Um, and then they did like this 12-week challenge, I guess, so you could either enter as like a weight loss journey or you could do like, kind of, it's not really like bodybuilding, but it was kind of like an in-club thing. They didn't have enough people for the bodybuilding kind of thing so then they asked instructors to do it and so I was like oh it's not really my thing but I guess I could learn more about lifting weights and stuff um so I did that and actually thought like personal training is quite a powerful position to be in because I had to get a trainer for it um and I learned heaps and I just remember thinking like man what a cool job to be able to be into fitness and exercise and make people feel better about themselves because I could see myself getting more confident um yeah, so I did that and it was kind of a bit of fun and had to do the whole tan and bikini thing, which was kind of fun, I guess. Um, but then after that, it made me think, oh, actually, hospitality is probably not for me and maybe I could explore this like personal training thing. So I finished my degree, so I only had six months left. Um, and then I moved to Christchurch to study personal training, which I really enjoyed. And then I started at Les Mills six months after that. So I was, by then, I think I was 20, no, 20? Yeah, something around 20. Um, and then that's where kind of my Les Mills journey started and I'm still there now so what, what are some of the evolutions of you you know you talk about being a young kid who was a bit insecure a bit shy you know and you, and you put yourself in front of a group of people who need them you know like it's, it's <laughs> kind of throws yourself in the deep end yeah. uh, but you know what are some of the you know you reflect back on this time in the industry and there's often defining moments that kind of where you learn big things about yourself what have been some of the big things you've learned about yourself through this experience? Um, I think the biggest thing for me now when I look back is that I always had those skills of like, like not skills but like ability to influence but the problem is that I held myself back by putting my own 
I kind of created barriers for myself that didn't really exist. I just sort of told myself that because I was feeling insecure. So then I just limited myself by believing those things. Um, and then like, there was so two things. So there was that and then another thing that I've battled with for about maybe 17 years. I had an eating disorder for a long time. Um, and I think that originally started with like a lack of confidence and like the stuff that I grew up with. Uh, and then I sort of used that to like control my life a little bit because I couldn't control anything else. Because so, so I don't know the eating disorder. So, so the eating disorder thing for you at least is yeah. um, I feel a sense of some control in one area of my life. Yeah. Okay. yeah, 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 pretty much. So I'm like, okay, that was my thing to control my anxiety. I couldn't really like. I don't know, it was kind of like a thing that I felt like I could control, but really it was ultimately like breaking me down and destroying me. Um, but I guess because I was so all over the show and so anxious and so uncomfortable around people, it was just one thing that I felt like I could control. And when, you, when you're doing an eating disorder, do you know you're unhealthy? Oh, that's a really hard question. Um, I think at the beginning I didn't realise that I was using it as a coping mechanism and then there were times where I sort of thought like shit this is not normal but then you get in the space where like you know it's not normal but then you're like how do I fix this? But so it's, it's a mental thing and it's something that you can't control even though you want to so there's that feeling of like I'm kind of doomed because I know I can't control this and it's in my head I'm going to have to live with this and I've got no nowhere to go so like at my I think it, I was I don't know I was living on my own in Wellington so I was 17 I was by myself in a city that I didn't know going to uni because I couldn't get to uni in Auckland my hometown because you had to have finished your last year of school and then I hadn't done that and I didn't want to go back so I'm sitting there quite naive didn't really know anything about life surrounded by people that are older than me so they could go out and I couldn't so there's lots of things that kind of ended up making me feel really isolated. So I was on my own a lot. Um, it's yeah, it's a bit of a. I guess I did come to figuring out like this is not normal, but then at the same time I felt really powerless because I'm like I can't control it. And did you feel trapped by it? There was one low point where I just thought like this is me until this consumes me and kills me. And then, I, like, I felt real low point going, like, how do I get myself out of this? And, and how did you? Um, well, when I started teaching, and this is where it was a bit weird, so, like, fitness really helped me. But then at the same time, I felt like a fraud because I was, like, teaching. But then I had this eating disorder that I was managing. So I felt really, like, I... Uh, yeah, I just felt like I wasn't being the best role model that they could because I hadn't had a good grasp on my own journey and my own fitness and health. Yet yeah, I'm trying to inspire others to do that for themselves. And I imagine it's a pretty big secret to have to keep, because you know, because you, you know, you, you're kind of being on this role model, but actually, there's a big yeah. part of me which is a big yeah, lie. Yeah, and obviously, like in the fitness industry, people just go straight away. Like, like there is a lot of assumption or a lot of chat around that girl's really skinny, she must have an eating disorder. Mm. And then a few times I'd be like, well, actually kind of, yeah, that's me. And like, I know that's bad and I know it's, but then at the same time I could see that group fitness was giving me things that was helping me build my confidence and extremely slowly helping me get into a better space. 
but managing that transition of feeling like a fraud but then seeing the benefits of it is quite challenging. Yeah, yeah. And also letting go when you, you might have felt, I need this to sustain. Yeah. And then you don't want to talk about it because straight away people are going to judge you and go, oh, of course you do, you're skinny, so you must have an eating disorder, you know? Like, yeah. So then you don't want to talk about it because then you feel like that's attached to you forever. Mm. And it took me a long time, like being in the fitness industry. That's, actually, so that's a big thing, isn't it? You know, like, because we, we do get things attached to us, you know, so like one of the fears of actually opening up is... Um, I will be labelled with this forever. Yeah, I've never thought of that. So yeah. And even like now, I don't care. But even a few years ago, like say five years ago, I was a bit hesitant in talking about it because I'm, I am a small frame, and I've always been this way. And I'm, was quite conscious of going. I don't want people to think that I still have an eating disorder just because I talk about it and I said it was something that I battled with, because of their own perception of thinking, oh, she's like super skinny anyway, so she must still be doing it or still have an issue. So then I didn't really talk about it for a long time. Like now I don't care. And I Obviously. Because <laughs> like, I think when I look back at the time, I'm like, man, this is a really shit, shameful thing. But now when I look back, I'm like, well, I wouldn't be who I am now and I wouldn't be where I am today and I wouldn't inspire the people the way that I do today if I hadn't gone through that. So, like, I wouldn't... A lot of people ask me, like, would you change it? Like, do you regret it? Or if you could take it back and you could live a life without it would you and then I always say well no because then I wouldn't be me now and what, what did get you through it Look, I'm sure there's lots of things but are there, if you could kind of define a couple of things that are really you know it seems like one thing that happened you built confidence in other areas yeah. but, but I don't know let me tell me more I think like when I look back now and I it's not really at the time I didn't really see this but now when I look back I think I did Though I felt like such despair and like felt like I, there was no hope at my lowest point, over time with the fitness stuff, I sort of saw like a glimmer of hope of fitness and group fitness is helping me. And so I guess now I kind of go, I want to show others that that's not the end and it doesn't have to be something that defines you. And just because you're struggling now doesn't necessarily mean you're going to struggle forever and that there is a way. Like don't get me wrong it's hard as like it's really challenging you have to keep yourself in check and it does stay with you forever like there's always that little tiny piece in your mind that always kind of goes you know yeah I totally my dad's an alcoholic and and my dad said to me um because I was a bad drinker so like yeah. I was a bad drinker but I'm not an alcoholic yeah. so I was just a really destructive drinker but yeah. my dad my dad you know he gave it drinking when I was like five yeah. And to this day, he still thinks about drinking. Like yeah. it's, it's, and it's just learning how to manage it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's about learning your triggers and like if I'm, you know, it can be stupid things like just self confidence thing. Like you're tired one day, or someone's made one comment and you feel a bit shit about yourself, or oh, it can be stupid things like, example, last week I ordered some tights and they were way too small for me. And I was like, oh, they fit, but they made me feel really uncomfortable and they made me feel like. I just I guess you would call it a fat day if you were a girl um, and then I'm like oh no it's like it's fine like these tights are freaking tiny and they, they fitted me but yeah it just made me feel real shit and for like the week after that they made me consciously think about like what I look like and like do I need to lose weight or do I you know that cycle started like sucking me back in and then, but now I can see it, and I go, okay, this is ridiculous. So, got rid of them and go, just buy, just buy bigger tights. 
<laughs> and then I did that, and then that's kind of like something that I managed. So just looking for those triggers and being aware of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you have a much better ability to actually see that you've gone in that direction, yeah. and you catch it early and know how to, to redirect. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it never goes away, but it's sort of like just sitting there in the background and just about minimising it. So a question I have, you know, like this game, you know, it's an image game and there's a lot of pressure on females, uh, especially in this new world. Um, so how do you manage that side of it? Um, I was actually just thinking about that earlier and I thought you might ask me this. Fitness is definitely, when I first started my career, I thought that looks would mean that you would inspire more so if you looked like say the Instagram sports model or what people perceive as like a model being or you know if you looked exactly like that you would have more power to influence but what I've learned with time is and especially coaching people and my own team is that the power to influence has nothing to do with aesthetics it's more about being your real self and your authentic self and showing people that it's okay to just be you how you are rather than trying to be someone that you're not and putting that pressure on yourself and being someone that you think people want should or people think you should be so now when I like I used to think oh okay so what would people want to see if they went to a gym and then I'd just try and be that person whereas now I'm like really comfortable with who I am and I actually think I'm way more powerful if I'm just being me and actually, like, the way I look doesn't really matter. And interestingly, you now manage, and you manage fitness instructors, mm. and so also the insight you had there is that you look at your successful ones, and it is just them being the real them that yeah. actually draws people towards them and yeah. inspires. Yeah, 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 definitely. And it's the people that are most content with who they are that progress the quickest. Oh, really? Yeah, and I feel like the people that, you know, are there for the... I guess that's part of my role is to help them highlight what they bring to people and what they're naturally good at that they might not see and trying to harness that rather than working towards what they think they should be. Yeah, so trying to pick up on that early so you celebrate what they are good at and how that can influence others if you worked on developing your own strengths rather than things that you think you should be good at because someone else is good at it yeah yeah so you, you make sure they're chasing the right thing yeah yeah whatever you know like management of people and, and you do you do a great job I, oh she's my boss so you know i have to say that um but but, but um what, what do you reckon are some of the keys to being a great manager and getting the best out of people um i think de- patience definitely and a lot of it is ha- i think you become a better more effective leader the better you know your people and that's the only answer to that is time and really taking an active interest in who you and who your team is and and what their life is and what their demands on their own lives are and how that might affect how they teach um, what do they value what's their background why do they teach what's important to them like the more you know about someone the easier it is to figure out what they need and how you can best help them so I guess trying to read people really well which I think I'm naturally good at and I see that now as something that I've always had but I just didn't really recognize it because I always used to think like man imagining like managing people would be so hard but it's only hard if you don't know them 
and you make no effort getting to know them, I think. So you really need to build deep relationships with these people so you can get deep understanding? Yeah, I think so, yeah. All from my experience, I think that's definitely helped me. One thing you do really well is you, your trust is, is strong. Like you, um, you know, you, you're not you're not someone who's got the thumb under over the team. If you know what I mean. Yeah. So, what, what do you think you're allowed? What do you think you can sit in that quite comfortably? Because a lot of leaders can't. A lot of leaders, you know, there's yeah. like a, no one does the job as good as me, so I yeah. need to make sure I do yeah. everything. You know, whereas you seem to um, be quite comfortable in, you know, trusting that things. I don't know. Tell me what you think. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I look at people and I go, what are they good at and what do they bring to the team? And in my job is to try and harness that so that it can benefit the entire team, so that everybody grows as a whole. And quite often, you know, I hear people say all the time, a great leader is not necessarily the strongest team, like the best person at the job. So it's about recognising people's talent and what they're good at and how can you use that to benefit the team as a whole. Because your job, my job is not to tell people what to do. My job is to find out what the gaps are in the team, find out what people's strengths are, and how can we utilise those strengths to bring the entire team up. So recognising talent and not being threatened by, actually, they are better at this than I am. So the benefit for the team is to use them. So it's about being secure in yourself? Yeah, yeah. And not feeling threatened, like there's things that I'm good at that other people aren't as good at. But then, you know, there's a lot of things that other people are better than me in some areas, and that's okay. When you when you look at just more going back to you as a PT, and maybe not even group fit, but you know, you PT for a long time and were very successful. Um, what creates success? You know, and let's talk about the person who, you know, like, because when you work at a gym, you're going to get fit people who you just kill and they're easy. You know, but then when you get the person who, you know, beginning of their fitness journey, has a bit of a rough history. What, what, what do you believe is the key to creating long-term success around exercise? I think it's definitely finding things that make you feel good. Like a lot of people think, when they think, when you say to someone, what what is exercise? Like the average person will be like, oh, far out, I hate going to the gym, I hate exercise is hard. But it doesn't have to be. I think people have this preconceived idea that exercise has to be hard, it has to feel like a struggle and it has to be really uncomfortable and not enjoyable. Um, So it's around, basically exercise is any form of movement that makes you feel good, whatever that is. And that might be like outside a gym, it might be, I don't know, it can be anything. So anything that you enjoy that you know is creating movement for you and makes you feel good. so removing those barriers for people that they think the exercise should be a negative experience. Um, and I think just, like, people put so much pressure on themselves around, like, I have to exercise, I have to lose weight, I have to do that, like... Instead, it would be better if they go, okay, well, how do I want to feel and how does exercise... How do I want to see exercise fit into my life so that I can be the best person that I can be? Because if, neg- if, if exercise is going to be a negative thing in your life, you're not going to you're not going to do it long term. No. 
like I see people do that you know like challenges all the time and they just destroy themselves for like eight weeks and work out ten times a week and they eat nothing yes. like that is not maintainable that is like the quickest way to failure yeah. instead you're better off going okay what is, what is one thing I can do this week that's going to make me a little bit closer to where I want to be in terms of my health mm. um, and in developing habits that you can maintain so starting really small just really small one thing at a time and just being consistent um, just a couple of last questions uh, why, why is exercise great for you? Um, I think for me like a lot of it is managing my own stress and anxiety and it, I kind of feel like it's like a bit of a release for me and if I do it then I feel way better for the rest of the day and it just allows me to, I know it's quite liberating, I think. Yeah, for me it's like a bit of a stress relief kind of thing. And one question I always like to ask people who are kind of experts is, where's your biggest struggle with exercise right now? Um, I don't think I have anything in particular that I struggle with right now, but something that I have been struggling with was doing too much, thinking that more is more. And I think in this industry that's definitely really easy to get into that and you do a lot and you do a lot and then I went to a phase where I just simply was doing too much. I wasn't sleeping, I was like the most stressed I'd ever been in my whole life. Um, like that was at a point where exercise was not serving me greatly. Mm. It was actually detrimental. detrimental. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think now I'm better at thinking, you know, less is more. Um, and also thinking around like role modelling, like to me I don't want to see other people in my team do what I'm doing if I'm doing 20 classes a week and I'm feeling terrible and I'm tired and then I go home and I'm awful to be around. You know those things are quite important to me so I'm sort of thinking now from a more holistic view like if I'm being a role model, what does like exercise balance and like life balance look like? at its best and I think now I've finally found the right balance that I can be a great role model and I'm confident in the amount of exercise that I'm doing that it's still serving me to be a better person and it's not digital. It's interesting really because we started this conversation about you being someone who didn't feel your role model and you kind of had to fake it and do some pretty bad behaviours and, and kind of you know the, your journey is to now you know how to be a good role model in the management of self and being self really isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I guess a lot of that is like, I did a lot of work on my own self-confidence and being confident in who I am now. And you know, I don't feel the need to exercise when I'm not obsessed about, I don't know, being skinny or being a certain way or being able to fit something or, you know, now that I've worked on those things internally in myself, then I've got more freedom now because I've managed that. And I think there's an important message just, you know, very lastly, um, is, wait a second, I'll give Henry earphones. Wait a second, Henry, here's your earphones. Um, I think this is an important message here is that, because a lot of people feel so trapped that they don't feel they can change. You know, and you're a ex yeah. good example of, you had a pretty big thing yeah. and you've changed, haven't you? Yeah. And I mean, there's been some battles and yeah. there's been times where I've thought like, shit, I can't do this, it's too hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like eating disorder is not like something that you can just turn off one day. Yeah. Like I always remember my dad telling me, trying to be really thoughtful and I was about 18. Give me two seconds. Um, what was I going to say? And we bet your dad was saying? Oh, um, yes, yeah, so and my dad being the 
trying to be caring sort of came up to me one day and he said so he's very logical and he's very like things are just black or they're white and he said to me oh and what if tomorrow you just make it that one of your goals is just you just eat and then you just don't spew afterwards and I was like oh yeah I can see that and then I just I just laughed and cried afterwards because I was like <laughs> if it was that simple like yeah. life would be so good and I was like oh so you know like that always kind of stuck with me um, I can't even remember what you'd asked me before now what was, your what was it you can change oh that you can change yeah yeah I think you've got to be patient and being kind to yourself um, and things aren't always black and white but it's okay if they're not and if you don't nail it straight away, that's also okay too. Because yeah. a lot of my life I spent with the attitude of, if you're not perfect straight away, you're failing. Which is a really destructive way of thinking. Well, you can't win. You're never going to win if that's your attitude, is it? And everything's always negative and you're never really achieving or celebrating anything. Um, so I think just giving yourself some slack and, you know, you might take one step forward and two steps back. But at the end of the day, if you're going forward, you're going forward and that's what matters. So just... You know, if you're not quite nailing it straight away, then that's okay too. Like, just keeping that hope alive and keep trying. Thanks for your time. You're awesome. No worries. Right, I'm pretty happy. I'm in the Coro Lounge at the Auckland Airport right now, and I'm speaking sitting next to a lovely lady called Mandy Jones, who is a top fitness professional in New Zealand. Uh, tell us a little bit about, start from the beginning of your fitness career. Um, that probably started just over... 11 years ago, um, I'd always had, always had a really great passion in terms of sport and fitness, um, but I decided to take that further in terms of a career and explore where that could take me. So um, I started with a degree, you know, um, went went to Otago for six months, and I'm probably the only person that's ever going to say this, but Otago was not for me. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I did six, of, six months of it dirty, had my time there, and I was like, nah, ready to come home, yeah. and um, transferred up to AUT and did Bachelor of Sport and Rec, which was really great, and then, um, funny enough, my dad was working on a project um, for a facility up there called Northern Arena which was primarily going to be a swim school and they've done phenomenal at it but they had the gym and the fitness side of it on the side um, and he was like look get in touch with the director there see what he's got running and that's where it all started why fitness why fitness i'd always had such a passion around sport um, and being in the competitive side of things and how it made you feel and it kind of led me, when my f sporting team days out of school kind of finished, I was like, well, I still want that feeling, I still want that buzz. Where can I find that? Um, and that's where I found out what a gym was and what fitness can do and how it's actually more beneficial, not just in terms of a team aspect and winning things, but what it is in terms of longevity in life and took that way. You know, this is, fitness is a tough game uh, and you've been in it for a long time. What do, you, what do you see on a personal level? I'd like to kind of hear about your personal journey and, and we can, we'll definitely talk about um, helping others and that kind of stuff as well. But on a personal level, uh, why do you feel you've been successful in having a career in fitness and you know having longevity in this career? I can take time to think about it. Eh? You'll, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, can you reframe the question again? So um, why, why do you feel you've been able to have a career in longevity in, in a game that, you know, you've been around long enough to many come and go, 
you know, sustainability is, is often one of the biggest challenges for people in the fitness industry and you seem to have managed it. So why do you feel you've been successful in doing that? Yeah, cool. Good question. Um, I have to I think if I reflect back on it quickly now, I think having a flexible mindset within the industry has been really helpful. So I didn't go into the industry thinking I'm just going to be one thing and that's the only thing I'm going to be within the career. Because the fitness industry does have quite a few avenues that you can explore. Um, and for example, the Northern Arena kind of um, job I had at the beginning, it's not like I had one role. We were employed to be able to do quite a number of things that was our role like we had to be a group fitness instructor we had to be able to be on the gym floor we had to do reception we had to go into the swim school so straight from the beginning when my career started I had to be able to be quite flexible within the industry so I think that taught me some um, that imprinted me on straight away that I wanted to enhance my skills in quite a few areas um, and from there it did grow in that way like I I went from <coughs> being on the gym floor at the AUT gym to then um, working into group fitness and then being in the swim school and then working into personal training and then I also went into the sales industry of the fitness of fitness and um, now sitting in a management role so I've been explored quite a few avenues and having that flexible mindset to know that each part of it is still pushing towards the aspect of fitness for people yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so ultimately you've had to be <coughs> excuse me uh, really adaptable uh, and, but I imagine your skill set's pretty massive now because you've kind of touched so many parts of this industry yeah absolutely yeah. One thing I'm often curious about, you know, the, the pressures of being a female in the industry, you know, you know, like it's, there's a pressure on all fitness professionals around, um, you know, what we have to present ourselves as, and, and especially in this kind of new modern kind of social media time. What's, how do you, how do you, what's that like for you, uh, and how do you manage that, and kind of talk, talk to me about that. Whew. Good one. <laughs> I, I don't go shy, mate. No, I'm like, this is going deep. Um... Uh, I think it it took a while, you know, like it was, I guess it's about finding out, you've got to, you've got to dig deep within yourself and build some self-awareness around who you are to create identity within the industry. Um, and there was a lot of times through my career, especially in group fitness, where I was challenged on that to change certain things about me. Um, and some of them you do because it brings up opportunities and you've got to think about that aligning with your values in terms of is this opportunity going to allow you to then align your values later or, or hold you back and, and things like that. So there were a few conflicts and challenges around that space but I mean, <sighs> yeah, I there's, with social media and stuff these days I think there's a lot more openness around individuality and self-love and being okay with showing everything that you are because yeah. there's so much out of it out there now instead of highlighting the or putting your highlight reels on social media these days people actually want to see real like they want to see the relatability of you and I think that's a really strong it's a really massive value of mine the relatable and the realness so I think it, it does make a huge impact to others.
And so on, the, on that front, what would you hope that you portray? Um, I, I would love my brand to be perceived as an empowering, relatable woman that loves to work hard, loves her family and her friends and will do anything to celebrate and help others achieve. It was pretty cool. What are some of the strengths of being a woman in, in the industry? You know, obviously I don't know, I'm a guy, so what, yeah. what are some of, the, some of the real benefits and strengths of the fact you're a female in this industry? Um, um, it's hmm. a good one. Can we come back to that one? Yeah, definitely. Um, when working with other people, you know, because ultimately our job is to create change. What do you feel are some of the things that actually help people to create change? Um, it's help people create change. They've got to find something that holds them accountable and that they love. There's definitely got to be a passion behind and a drive that they want. Someone can't, like, there's, I don't know, I look at it as, like, doctors can say, oh, you've got to do this and this and this to save your life. Absolutely. But it doesn't have to be one way. There can, there's a, a, a range, and it's so many holistic and a range of things available today to help you achieve certain goals. So that you, you definitely got to find something that you absolutely adore and love to motivate you through that. Um... Surround yourself with people that will support you. Don't isolate yourself. I think no one ever achieved anything alone. So it's really important to have a support group and that's okay. It's okay to ask for help. Um, all aspects of life, whatever you want to achieve. Um, and yeah, kind of roll with that at the moment. Yeah. It's, um, when you, when you think about um, the social, you know, well, let's talk about the cultural stuff. So your, 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 your partner's Māori, and you're Māori as well? Uh, a little bit, yeah. one-eighth, I'll claim it, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, in New Zealand, for those, this is an international audience, um, Māori health seems to be a big problem, uh, and they definitely seem to statistically sit behind. Um, and I know your partner Ra is in the industry as well. Uh, I'm sure he's pretty passionate about that aspect of it. Uh, how do you, you know, because it's often, you know, it's easy for people on the other side to kind of tell people how to live, you know, and often I think the multi-culture gets a lot of that. It's kind of like, you know, white people, here's what you should do. Um, whereas, you know, maybe there aren't the answers and maybe there's better solutions. Like, how, how does, how do you kind of conquer that thing of a big health issue in a, in a kind of a certain culture to actually help that culture shift forward? And, and what are some of the things that maybe you and your Ra and, and that community are doing to actually help that progress? I think it, it starts with understanding the culture. Like, if you, you can't go in there with your own standardised mindset to think that that's going to work for them when it might not. You've got to spend some time to know the people, to understand their culture. Like, um, I don't want to say naive, naive to it all, but from my learnt with being with Ra and the Māori culture that I'm lucky enough to be absorbed with. Like, they enjoy food and, and drink. Like, that's their way of socialising and showing love and being together. So it is a really important part of their, their lifestyle. I guess it's how you've got to understand that but then start to educate them around the health and how lifestyle these days has changed compared to what they were 
so many years ago as the hunter-gatherer, where that stuff they could get away with. Um, and Ra, with his um, job outside, well not outside of Les Mills, but his job within the industry is as a health and exercise coach for Te Awakarangi, which is, so he spends a lot of time specifically with his culture and working with them to create better choices and change. But it's more, he gets the people that it's almost too late. It's more, we want to look at a way to be preventative before they have to get to that stage. So that's kind of where he's exploring avenues and concepts to educate his culture. And so trying to get in earlier to, so you have a bigger impact? Yeah. yeah. And, and how did he, do you have any ideas of how he thinks he'll be able to achieve that? Not that he's shared with me yet. <laughs> I'm sure he's got so many bright ideas though. Because yeah. well, it is a thing, and that's, uh, even though we're talking about culturally here, I do think that's it's an issue um, for all people, isn't it? It's that kind of, in many ways we can talk about self-responsibility, but we also have society that kind of in many ways works against us being healthy, you know, and so how do we get people into that kind of health mindset and that health prioritisation so that that's a part of the everyday life you know what I mean? And, you know, like for us, yeah. we put health first. You know what I mean? We, we wake up in the morning, we're going to think about when we're going to exercise. We kind of put some conscious thought into what's going into our body. You know, we kind of look after health. And I'm, we're not perfect, but, you know, generally speaking, we're putting that in our frame. Um, whereas a lot of people, health either doesn't exist or it's the last thing on the list, which means it never happens. Uh, and so, you know, how do we get people to sit in that, where we sit, um, and get there earlier in their journey so they don't wake up on the other side. Yeah, And uh, and that's where I think the preventative idea kind of comes in. Like, why do you have to wait till someone's overweight to make exercise a priority? Yeah. Like, a, it's, it's kind of like, well, no, exercise is far more than just a tool to lose weight. Like, it's about the endorphins you can feel. It's about um, the performance aspects you can gain. It's, you know, the friends you can meet when you exercise. Like, it doesn't have to be you must go to a gym and slog it out on a treadmill for 60 minutes. Exercise can be going for a walk with your dog. Like, it doesn't have to be this clinical aspect to prevent or to help fix something. Yeah, so I think it's just how do we educate people to know that exercise is, is a is a lifestyle yeah. it should be part of your life especially with the day and age we live in where everything becomes so much more convenient like uber eats where you don't even have walked <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about that today so on that front then so you're a mum um you know two kids um how do you how are you making sure or trying to kind of install those mindsets and values in their life Oh, they don't have a choice. They see us do it all the time. Like, it's already, it's it's a no-brainer. Like, they just know that, like, for example, um, Rajai's oldest, he'll come home and he has to do an hour on the tramp or an hour outside before he, has, he can look at the TV or anything like that. Like, it's just, and he naturally wants to do it too because it's kind of what they've grown up knowing. Yeah. And Micah, shit, he'll see us. We're practising our choreo at home and he just does squats and push-ups anyway. So it's just kind of that kid just wants to move anyway. Yeah. Um... So it's not something we've had to implement because they see it naturally as something that just happens yeah. because we lead that lifestyle already. Yeah. Um, it's kind of important, that modelling, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's it's keeping it encouraged as the time goes through. So even if the boys decide that, you know, if Mikey decides he wants to do ballet, well, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. it's still movement and it's something he enjoys and it's going to keep him moving and we'll always 100% support that. Yeah. You know, so. so you're kind of saying there's two things. There's a commitment, mm-hmm. 
and then there's a kind of not putting barriers up for them in the way because a lot of you know back in the old days you know boys did the skills that they you know and it's kind of so removing barriers as long as I'm moving you're happy oh, it's 2019 now yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of how it rolls so yeah as, as long as they keep and it goes back to um what I was saying about if they love something they're going to continue it more yeah. you know they're going to commit to themselves more if they actually enjoy what they're doing mm. rather than feeling like it's a chore mm. yeah when you're loving exercise the most why um I love it the most when I'm with people feeling good like or when I'm playing a game like I was watching um what was I watching the other day and I was like shit I'm a sport oh no I actually went to sports awards and I was hearing about how these people committed so much time to their their clubs in terms of either running it or playing for it and I was like oh I miss sports I miss um I love exercising when you're playing sport and competing in something um and being around people and I love it when it's a stress relief yep and that's some time to be with yourself so the, it, the exercise doesn't always have to be easy. It can be a walk along the beach where it's just you and the nature and yeah, that feels good as well. Um, and also I love it when it, it's pushing limits and you test yourself mentally, physically to see what you can actually achieve with your incredible body. I always love to ask people who are strong in one area what their weakness is in that area. So what, what, what's your weakness with exercise? I'm doing too much of it. Oh, okay. okay, really? So you overload? Yeah. Why? Um, Probably because I use it for so many different ways. Yeah. So I think for me, knowing, and I don't want to assume everyone does this, but you know, it's quite common in the industry that we're in as well that people burn out quite quickly because they underestimate the importance of rest and how it does help performance and will actually make you feel better next time you move. So um, yeah, just being okay with some days not doing stuff if I don't need to because I know I've I've progressed through that Um, but it was it was a hard thing to do at first because so much of my identity and esteem and confidence was based around the fact I was doing so much exercise Um, so have you managed that and if so what's allowed you to do that I think becoming a mum has actually really pulled me back because when you don't have any other dependents, like even and before I had Ra, like <laughs> even as an independent, like it was just you, you only had yourself to worry about. So you had all this free time to kind of, oh well, that's what I can do today to make myself feel good. Where that's not the only thing I need now. Like I've got my amazing kids, I've got my partner. There's other ways I've found joy um, and outlets yeah. without having to burn my body too. Um, even though it's still something that I love. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, well, that's not what I need today. This might be what I need. Yeah. And why is that better? What do you mean why? Well, well, better than being burnt out. You know, like it seems that you kind of, the situation made you learn a lesson. Yeah. Um, you know, so life changed because of the dramatic change of having a kid, which then meant I had to reassess how much time I had to exercise, but it's actually made me have a better balance around exercise. Mm. And uh, are you better for that? Or is it better? Or would you rather be kind of burnt out? No, this is much better. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have more time and I can go run around with the kids and do that kind of stuff and be able to spend time with them not let the iPad babysit them you know like it's it's you want to be there with them so you have the energy for things that are really important like so I kind of out what we've tried to do to balance our, our lifestyle in a way is like Monday to Friday is is work so that's where we teach our classes and we have the weekends free like weekends is trying to avoid being at the gym that's that's fun time that's we can still train but it'll be outside and we'll go for a run or we'll do something different to balance it out that way uh, just lastly um 
just someone who's listening to this who maybe isn't exercising, um, looking for some inspiration, what, what just would be your tip around getting started if you're not into it? Find something you love. And exercise doesn't have to be something that means you um, have to sweat and look like you've walked through the rain and be drenched in something. It just needs to be something that your body enjoys to do, um, that you wake, that brings you joy not only while you're doing it, but afterwards as well. So f- find something you love and then get a mate and do it together. <laughs> yeah. yeah, make some friends. Yeah. Hey, Manny, thanks so much for your time and uh, keep doing what you're doing, mate. You're a rock star. Thank you. Thanks, baby. <laughs> There's something I, I love when you get to speak to people who have um, a deep insight into something. And I, and I think both Mandy and Em just shared some really amazing insight into fitness, into their own journey. And I just hope that you got a lot from that because they're both pretty all raw and honest and that's how you kind of roll in the show. Um, but there's also some, just some really good little nuggets that many people will be able to take from these interviews. So I just want to say a big thank you to Mandy and Em because I pretty much threw them on the spot and they both responded amazingly well. If you want to check them out, they're both on Instagram. I'll put links to their Instagram and uh, their Facebook posts on the show notes for this episode. And you go to bevanjamesisles.com for the episode show notes. In a way, that's pretty much me done and dusted. If you want to support the show, make sure you go to Bevan James Isles and become a patron of the show. Other ways you can support the show is to go on whichever podcatcher you use and give feedback about the show. Tell your friends. Um, if you see me post something on Facebook about the show, share it. Just all those little things help me do what I'm doing, which is trying to get as many people moving as possible. Anyway, that's the show pretty much done. This one, I'm probably got another couple of hours left at the Coral Lounge. Um, and I'm being very disciplined about not overeating <laughs> because when it's a smorgasbord, you can go a bit cray-cray. So I'm being very controlled. Anyway, that's me out for now. Thanks for your time. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. I've actually got a really, really cool podcast, uh, a deep-level topic around mine, uh, or something I've been thinking about. And then two weeks from now, I've got a great interview lined up with a top one of the we're a very very top sports psychologists so some really cool stuff coming up in the episodes in the next few episodes so anyway as always thanks for your time and as i always say keep being you <laughs>